All right, boys. I don't know about how you're feeling, but the past few weeks, my nuts have been as smooth as they have ever been because any given Sunday is proudly supported by one of Australia's fastest-growing men's grooming bands, Nutcare. Proudly Australian, Nutcare is taking down-under grooming to the modern-day man. Recently voted number one by Men's Health magazine with Bare Nuts Pubic Hair Removal Cream, Nutcare is revolutionising men's grooming. As a proud supporter of us at Australia, uh, any given Sunday, Nutcare is offering our listeners 10% on their first orders. Simply use the <laughs> promo code any given Sunday at the checkout and the discount will be applied. Nutcare is essential grooming for men. Oof. Smooth, mate. Well done. Yeah, smooth as it can be. And then, like I said, the past few weeks has definitely been <laughs> smooth. Smooth as ever. And it is not smooth with this transition straight into our intro because I had I didn't have it ready, so that's perfect. <laughs> but it's coming. It is coming. <laughs> oh no, it's loading. It's We're just good. more airtime. Nutcare, they'll be happy. It is. It's Nutcare, 10%. There we go. Brown 45! Brown 45! You are listening to Any Given Sunday Australia. I hope that wasn't just playing in my ears and it was also playing in yours because it is definitely playing in mine. How are we boys? Welcome to Any Given Sunday Australia, the number one podcast in at least three households and one studio. Joining us, as always, is our ever-reliable TC24, at Tim Carty, AGSAU. How are you, big dog? T-Mac, how you going, mate? You're looking a bit sweaty under these studio lights. I am. <laughs> it is boiling in this house. I don't know why. We've got 22 degrees and sunny in, and it's absolutely cooking me, but... Who'd have thought? End of April. Stop yeah. It. I might have got burnt playing footy on the weekend. I reckon that's half my problem. But... Yeah, okay. We've also got our work experience kid turn pro at... Danny Webb, AGSAU. How are you, mate? Well, fantastic as ever, especially after hearing your ad breed. Makes me feel not so bad, after all. <laughs> <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> it was uh, it was smooth. just didn't quite finish the way I was hoping, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, uh, it's been a busy few weeks. Sorry, mate. You got... How are you? You all right? You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to say fin- fin- finishing strong is probably, <laughs> probably not your highest point, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hope my missus knows that I finished strong. That's all that matters. But... <laughs> Anyway, we've been busy the last few weeks smashing out some interviews. We uh, Yana Floridas, Floridas. Uh, she came out last week. She was an absolute ripper. So if you haven't listened to that one, get onto that one, yeah. And this week we got Big Frankie Tinilao from Miami. He's coming out on Thursday. That'll be another. It was me and you, Danny. How was he to talk to, mate? He was incredible. Like the head that that kid has on his shoulders is well and truly beyond his years. Hmm. Absolutely. So that's definitely one to check out. Thursday, that'll drop. Just some last-minute housekeeping. Make make sure you check out our merch. Still available, $35. Uh, All the boys are rocking it, and we'll make sure we get it out to you, Loz, so you can uh, rock it too. (laughs) But we do have five days till the NFL draft. That's why we have got this man to come in and bring us the news. The news is brought to you by American Connection. Find them on Instagram or their website, Connection with a K. Uh, 10% at checkout with any given Sunday. But we do have with us, joining us live from uh, the balcony <laughs> with the with the bike that he didn't want us to bring up in the gym. background. A home gym as well. A home gym, yeah. He's been out there pumping it, so he's primed, ready to go. The insider from ESPN, Oz and New Zealand, co-host of the NFL Brecky Show, Mr. Laurie 
Horesh, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm doing well. I mean, I don't know how to process the last few minutes. Everything I've heard there, not the least, was the music <laughs> drop there, which had me, I mean, I'm, look, it's the off-season, you know, amongst draft tape and all the study and free agency and everything that, you know, we do in, indulge in TV series, and I won't shy away from the fact that I may have been watching some Jersey Shore family vacation last night, and that music was reminiscent of something <laughs> along the Jersey Shore there for a minute, but that was, you know, there were a few highlights in that, uh, in that intro, but no, I'm doing well. I am in the balcony office here, um, truly an off-season office, just as the Sydney skies have opened up, so good luck on the audio there as the rain starts pattering down, uh, but... I mean, it's, uh, it is, you mentioned five days till the draft. It's uh, four days. Um, it, it, it's closing in on shortly. And the, the tension, the excitement, the nerves, the complete and utter terror that I have that I'm going to have an in completely incorrect take after perhaps Dallas Cowboys make a pick and cough Micah Parsons. That may have come up in the past. So I'm <laughs> just happy to be here with you guys today. <laughs> Mate, and we are stoked to have you. And you said to, to me leading up to this that you're in draft mode at the moment. So being at, you know, the worldwide leader, ESPN, like you said, is it just all draft all the time at the moment or? Oh, no, there's plenty of other stuff going on. Like we have, you know, we, we do cover across all different sports. So you've got your day-to-day your -day duties that you're diving in on projects and features. And, you know, there's a big Matilda docu-series that's dropping on Disney Plus and, and that's been a focus. But certainly um hours throughout the day and certainly more more so deep hours into the night there's a lot of draft study going on there's a lot of thankfully got some access to small 22 film which is great um especially for certain positions like if anybody's you know jumped on youtube and tried to watch cornerback and they just disappear out of the frame after the first half a second of each snap you're not really you know learning too much um on a lot of snaps there ideally you get a couple of replays and see some top view, top view stuff but yeah it's been fun i, I love it i enjoy it i generally as i've gotten older um, as I've reached into my 30s, I generally let myself just relax a little. Not relax, but just take some time away after the Super Bowl. Just wait till my brain goes, yep, yeah, ready for more football now. Um, I'd like to think that's a really wholesome month or something, but it's not. It's usually about three days and the Google Drive <laughs> opens up and, uh, and and we start diving in and then it just it ticks through. You get the combine, you got free agency, and then you know mock drafts are flying aplenty. You, know, you get things like the Dame Brugler, the beast uh, draft guide drops and, and you're you know, learning about the volleyball and skiing backgrounds of six round you know, defensive ends and you know, you're a little bit sick for it but you love it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, how do, you, how do you find you go filtering? Like how do you find you go blocking out the noise because there's so much noise out there of like good sources that you like to sort of hone in on. Like how, how is your filter and how do you go just yeah, blocking out all that, all that white noise? That's lying season. I treat everything with massive amounts of skepticism. I mean, ha what better case than right now with the Houston Texans and the second overall pick? In the last week, we've heard from guys that are, you know, Adam Schefter being the, the place that he holds in NFL media and news breaking. And then on the same day, Lance Zierlein, who is tied in deeply in Houston and from that area, both talking about how it did not sound like Houston quarterback was a lock, that they may go a different position. Then the Will, out of nowhere, Will Levis, who's taken so many dings throughout this process, at least publicly, like from, from the, you know, Twitter scouts and stuff, nothing, you know, not, not character stuff, but, you know, there's been photos of him being ripped up and then there's <laughs> questions about his consistency and he's a case of excuse making versus reasons for why his play dropped off in the last college football season or why his play wasn't as week to week bankable. Um, 
that pick in itself, how much smoke, how many different theories. It's Will Anderson. It's, oh, are they are they interested in Tyree Wilson? No, it's back to quarterback. It's a CJ, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. Anthony Richardson's name gets thrown up there. And this is all under the proviso that we think Byron Young um, uh, is, is, uh, is going to go first overall. Um, so it's, I trade a lot with skepticism. Um, you hear a lot of fun stuff. Then you throw in the S2 testing um, mm. and that drops. And there's a lot to take on. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think you fall back to tape. You just, when in doubt, when it's too murky, um, you you just peel right back and just start watching, going and there's always another game to watch. There's always another little bit of um, on-field information you can gain that might might tick you one way or the other and provide you something perhaps a little more substantial than the latest Twitter smoke. Just on that uh, S2 testing scene, as you've mentioned it, can you just like kind of explain what that is? Uh, how much weight does it really hold? Like we saw that the it's coming out, CJ Stroud had like 98 out of 99. Oh, sorry, Bryce Young had 98 out of 99. CJ Stroud had like 18 out of 99. How much weight does it actually hold in like the draft rooms? Uh, I think we're still, I mean, you, you read that it's been part of NFL evaluations for the past kind of five, seven years. Different teams value it differently. It's like anything, I, I would imagine. What The more you hear is that different teams value it as just a piece of their evaluation on field, off field, interviews, up on the board. But you, you read about what the S2, you know, the cognitive tests are about. It's, it's rapid fire decision making, impressions, thinking, presented with, with kind of stimulus in, in a very short amount of time and how you respond. And you hear the founders have talked about it this week. You know, there's, in the last couple of weeks, there's been more and more discussion about it. And you're hearing co founders come out and say, it doesn't say whether someone's better at this or better at, you know, is just a supremely better mental processor on the football field, thus they'll be a better quarterback. You're hearing that it might just, it's more about their, how their mind's mapped, how they come to decision-making, how they process information, how that plays out on a draft room. We're not so privy to know, but you could see that perhaps some of the feedback they get, the specific answers they get, maybe someone's set up more to process information from, um, is it as simple as, oh, look, they really process well, you know, in a shotgun situation where they're kind of standing back and viewing everything from a different perspective. We don't know what goes into these tests, but it, it, you get the, the information that we have had is that it is part of it. It's not this person can't think, this person can think, therefore let's rank them accordingly. It's part of the process and it's part of understanding how they might best fit in a scheme. Is this something where they need to be fed information, um, you know, certain time before the snap? Is it something where they're... Um, you know, how many calls can you give them at the line of scrimmage? Who knows? But it's we've moved on, it seems, from the Wonderlick era. We're now into S2 testing. We'll see where it goes from there. I will say that um, the fact that, um, you know, I said I said Byron Young off the top is probably terrible for my S2 testing. Um, I'm going to plummet down. Um, uh, draft I was, I've got to be honest, I was uh, racking my brain. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's just, that's just, I've just left um, a, a Google Drive and just left some draft sheets um, and I had the word Byron in my head. Um, and, and we come out and drop Byron sort of Bryce off the top. So you can see my stock's already dropped uh, and I'm sure it's, uh, you know, I'll down be down there in the second or third percentile of the S2 uh, rankings. I actually did uh, take the S2 and, and I was in the, the one percentile, so don't stress, mate. All I did was spell my name right. The rest of it was all wrong, so don't stress too much. So you're in the second or third. I'd kill for second or third. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, you, you hear them break it down. We're talking about like, you know, 16 thousandth of a second, 16 milliseconds that people are processing information versus 25 milliseconds. How much does that matter? Um, what's the, what are the grades of variance here? I mean, I'm not a data scientist. I did not thoroughly enjoy science in high school. So I'm not going to stand here and, and say this is exactly how it measures out on the board, but it's this, we, we've seen 
you know, there's been three Sigma athletes that came along that measured certain types of athletic testing um, that was more kind of five, ten years ago. We're seeing, um, you're seeing uh, certain scores, com composite um, athleticism scores that you grade someone out of ten based on their height, weight, position um, that has emerged out of kind of football Twitter and the, the football, you know, intelligentsia and cognoscenti. There's so much out there to take on. Um, and teams do value that. Um, and they do have thresholds. It'll be particularly interesting to you when you get to the athletic testing side of things because if you're summing up this draft class, this seems like a draft of outliers um, and how teams are going to be challenged with perhaps the traditional things that they had. No receivers under six foot or no cornerbacks weighing this, you know, certain, this below this threshold or, you know, right at the top there at the quarterback position. You know, are we really going to see a quarterback go first overall that's probably going to be playing um, week one at about 190, 195 pounds? Do you, before, you know, we've always heard, like you mentioned before, about the, the different types of testing. So this testing's always been around, but it's just a different provider every few years. But I feel like this year has come out a lot more. Is it purely because, you know, the likes of, whether it's true or not, the CJ Stroud is getting 18 out of 99. Like, before that, you're not really hearing too much because it's, you know, milliseconds of a percentile between each person. But the fact that he's so far down, whether it's true or not, whether it's smoke and mirrors, you know, whether it's Houston saying, you know, he got 18 just so it drops to them at two. Is that purely why we're hearing more about it this year? Yeah, where are the leaks coming from? Where is this coming from? Again, you're hearing sources from SD themselves saying I'd take these results with a grain of salt or no, I don't, I don't. Those aren't the numbers that we had. What do those numbers represent? Is that, what did he rank in part of it? Like, is there certain parts of the test that measured this? That relates to a quarterback play in certain parts of the test, you know, and maybe he aced that, maybe he didn't. But what parts of it, what what structure around it, um, do we really take away? I think why we're hearing more about S two now is because you know Wonderleak has been faded out. And we're moving into a you know a different narrative, and yeah, I think w when you have such murkiness at the top of a draft and such contention amongst that top four, considering yes, you've got an outlier um, at the top there at, at 192 pounds, then you move into more traditional builds there's not a lot of consensus. This has moved around so much that people will grasp um, at different narratives, different figures that might come up. Um, but also, like, you think about this, we also, from the outside in, we don't know the difference between, what's what's the measurable difference between 18th percentile and 60th percentile? Think about when you, uh, I know a couple of, I'm not sure how many of you guys have, have families, have kids, but if you've had a kid and you've gone on one of those height, weight, you know, charts when, you, when your kid's, you know, under two years old, it's like the difference between the 95th percentile and the 15th percentile is like 0.75 of a centimeter on height. How much are really talking yeah. about here? So that's the stuff that we don't know. So I hesitate to overreact, especially when you match it up with go watch CJ Stroud actually play because um, his name has obviously been tied to this so hard on a negative side. I mean, talk about composure and decision making um, for an offense that, you know, can actually ask you to hold on to the ball for quite a long time at Ohio State. There's a lot of slow developing uh, route concepts that come in there. It's actually a conversation that we, we saw with Justin Fields a couple of years ago that, you know, oh, he's very mechanical going through. So he seems to hold the ball for a long time. It's like, yeah, well, when the route concept is three big time deep routes that need to develop and interweave, then yeah, that might be something that we do see. So uh, I, I hesitate there um, to overreact, especially when the film and, and the film, the game tape, the YouTube cut-ups, whatever you want to have a look at, guys who just watch college football week in, week out and follow suggest that this is a very composed, measured, uh, intelligent quarterback with a good work ethic um, and that it it doesn't show up with this constant questionable decision-making. So just on that with CJ Stroud, because obviously we're hearing a lot that he potentially might be slipping. Like there was talk way back when it was like Bryce Young won 
uh, Sergio Stroud too. That was whatever way it was going to fall, that was going to be the way it is. But now we're hearing that Sergio Stroud might potentially be dropping. Where's all that coming from? And do you also think that's just all rumours? Where is it coming from? I mean, we we are so far into lying season right now. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. you, and you think about the 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 fluctuations, the machinations, permutations. Wow, I'm really riling off a whole vocabulary today. Um, yeah, you're you're definitely higher than the second or third presenter. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about all that could change with who is picking at two and three, right? Houston, mm. do they they need a quarterback? Do they want a quarterback? It's the first year of a coaching regime, so they're not in a rush. This is a you know this. Is, you, get a head coach a new head coach in that you're feeling pretty solid about there not they're not pressed to make that change and make that revolution at that huge position this early they can buy time if they want and then the arizona cardinals that aren't in position to move away from kyle amari contractually um you know we saw the whole team that you know the front office the brass of the cardinals out there supporting him um as he got a statue at oklahoma this week so it doesn't sound like there's a lot of tension there real feeling they're still committed there those teams both have massive interest in causing confusion and causing mystery at that spot to try and attract offers. You want to, we've seen the, the Chicago Bears already cashed in and they got out of that one spot. Those teams, so talent poor uh, and, and so in need of an injection of young, cheap, quality talent, would desperately love to have an offer roll along, or I should say roll along the desk, but really the phone call with something to, um, to provide them an offer they can't refuse. And when you start talking about quarterbacks moving is this guy falling? That causes doubt in Indianapolis. Maybe it causes doubt in the Titans. Not even just doubt, hope perhaps in Indianapolis, the Titans, the Raiders, who knows who else, that, hey, if this guy's slipping, he could be in position for us to make a movie. He's not going to go at two. And he's and then three could be the spot where we don't get the third quarterback, we get the second quarterback. That just creates a whole different market out there. Um, and you just hope that you know, you're know in and you, your, your smoke screen, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's that, I'm trying to think of the TV show now where it's like, they, no, it's Friends, when, uh, when the mystery around um, Chandler and Monica, like, do they know we know that they're dating? They don't know, we know, they don't know, we know, we know, they don't know, we know. It's that. Great episode, it, by the it, way. It, it, it's a fantastic episode. Um, my favorite episode, I think, is when they switch, they have the apartment bet. That's always going to yeah. go down as probably my favorite episode, but we're getting derailed there. But you can see you, you, you're causing, you're creating markets here. You, you're trying to create that demand to put yourself in position. It's like your parents say in high school. It's like, look, you don't need to be the best. You know, I'm not asking you to 100 in every test, but give yourself options when you, you know, when, when it's time to leave school or anything. You're just trying to give yourself the best options. We can take a stud player here or do we present uh, the potential that someone's going to call that phone, give us that offer. We're going to roll back and add a couple of key cogs to build the core of our foundation, especially when we are so talent poor. Like you're seeing with the Cardinals roster and the Texans roster. Are the cards, uh, we've heard on a few different shows lately, are they are they almost better off holding on to that number three to draft day and see whether, you know, what the Texans are doing? You know, if they don't take someone at two, then all of a sudden their number three spot goes through the roof, you know, even though it already is probably peaking at that, that roof spot now, but... You know, they're going to have the Colts that are going to want to jump up. It might be someone like the Raiders from seven. It could be, you know, are they better off holding and waiting till draft day or, or make a move early and try and, you know, get those two or three cogs? I think the early move has been made by Chicago, right? I think at this point, and the Panthers, I think at this point, yeah, what happens at two alters the market and changes that, you know, the value of that ticket um, that the Cardinals hold. And you remember that these deals, like teams are talking, they've been talking since probably before the combine. 
hear about the, you know, the combine is this time for college testing and getting, you know, the, the on-field drills and medicals and stuff, but it's also a massive meeting of the power hitters, the front officers, the coaches of the NFL, where they're going to hash out these things or, or they're going to lay the framework. Hey, just letting you know, we see you up there. This is where we're at this offseason. If we don't do this in free agency or if this doesn't come off with this quarterback, we don't execute a trade, we are going to be looking here. What are we talking about? Those conversations have started. Now they can change. You could have the framework of a deal done, call up, and someone goes, actually, you know, again, I'm falling back to being a parent here, but, you know, the, 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 the goalpost's always moving with the kid. You know, you bring out mm. the exact lunch they wanted with the exact drink, the exact piece of fruit, and then they look at you. Actually, I wanted to cut it in diamonds, please. Triangles is not my today. Get it away from me. Get it out of my face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these things do change, but those conversations, those between GMs, um, especially ones that have relationships, you know, maybe they work together. You think of, you know, San Francisco GM tree that has started to spread out. You see, think of different places where, where uh, front office staff have come from. Those chats have happened. Um, but yeah, for the Cardinals, be sitting there holding on to that ticket, knowing that one way or another, um, either it, it, there's so many possibilities for our, our value at that spot to go up. Either a quarterback doesn't get taken at two and only one is off the board and that expands the pool of teams that might have their number one quarterback or their number two quarterback sitting there waiting for them, or a quarterback does go at two, and now our talent pool, our available resource at quarterback has shrunk, um, and that just that can impact the band on another way. So, yeah, I think draft day drama um, and theatrics is, is what I'd be hoping for as a neutral, um, and it's mm. certainly the card I'd be trying to play if I was the cards GM. Do you, do you, are you a neutral? Do you, have, do you have someone to follow, or are you just across the board? Uh, no, I, 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 I am... Uh, I try to keep it from a, a watching on the field stuff, from watching you know the games and and doing research and looking at the data. I try and keep it neutral. I think I, by and large I do a decent job, but I do support the Dallas Cowboys. That's the yeah. first team I fell in love you with. You did mention them before, yes. That's the response. <laughs> to be honest, I'm probably more critical of them for that. Um, I'm probably not. I'm probably nastier to them than I am someone who's you know one-eyed and believes they've been. You know, they deservingly should have had this, this, or this. Um, the more time you spend studying the Cowboys' operation um, or following the narratives or listening to sound bites, the more you realize that it is a truly unique power structure and organizational dynamic they have there. My opinion is that I think it's actually, you know, as, as great a salesman as Jerry Jones can be, I think, uh, and as great a personnel man as Will McClay is, who's been... There's been attempts by multiple teams to hire him away as a GM. He's kind of the guy who runs the draft room. He's, he's your personnel, absolute top personnel brain um, in that operation, the de facto GM. As good as he has been and as good a talent evaluator as he is, that convoluted power structure I do not think is the most efficient and effective way to make decisions. It's, it's why I think a team like the Cowboys, people, I think the, the, the thing I hear about the Cowboys that I think is the most wrong is people say, oh, they haven't done anything in 27 years. They're bad or they're crap or, you know, and it's actually not true that they, I think since 2000, basically since Romo took over as starter, they're like sixth in total regular season wins in the NFL. What the Cowboys aren't is they have never been, a, they've never been able to stack success on top of each other. Um, they have constantly fallen back. The NFC East, we know there hasn't been a, you know, a repeat NFC East mm. champion since, you know, black and white TV or something. Um, <laughs> But with the Cowboys, it's, I think that's the biggest telling point with them, and now we've gone into a Cowboys rabbit hole, is that a talented team that's able to, generally able to draft well and attract, I don't think attract big-name free agents so much, but I think they're a good evaluation team. But their inability to sustain success and handle success 
that points to the organizational limitations when you have with the you know the Jones family, their own hierarchy, and then how it flows into then Jason Garrett for a decade, and now Mike McCarthy, and then Will McClay pulling these the you know quite often you know personnel uh, wizardry uh, out of his sleeve. Thanks for Timmy. We've got a, a mad Eagles fan uh, <laughs> getting into you as well, which is good. <laughs> Look, Eagles. When it comes to the Eagles, um, they've had. It was interesting before. The, obviously, awesome stretch right now. An organization that you know, I love the draft philosophy. We're we're going big bodies and we're going early. Big body, high end, big body talent. That's where we're going early and often. Every time you see. Like I so I did a mock draft, was having fun the other day. We did a mock draft um, on Twitter, and I had the Eagles at thirty, and I was like, "This is perfect for Drew Sanders. Like, this is they have a need. You know, they always seem to have a need at linebacker. They just had personnel leave in the off season. You stick him next to Nakobe Dean. This is a lot of fun. And then I'm and I put the pick in, and in the back of my head, I'm like, they're not going to do that. They don't touch linebacker that early. That's not how they play. Um, but the Eagles themselves, before this, you know, when there was the breakdown of the Carson Wentz um, era. There were think pieces done about the kind of combative forces that Lurie likes to see his organization running with. You know, he likes it when there's kind of infighting, but when there's a real battle between, say, the coach's room and, you know, Howie Roseman and the scouts, he likes that competitive friction. And look, you go back through the history of music, um, you know, how many great bands talk about how they made the best music when they were fighting like, you know, cats and dogs and mm. it's different, but they have such a clear football philosophy in Philly. Like that roster is outstanding. Um, and it, it, you know, we see Jalen Hurts get the big extension there. I've been someone who said all through last season, put my hand up saying, look, he hasn't, it, it's hard to, there is, it's a tough, but he's improved clearly work ethic and locker room presence undeniable since before he was an Eagle. Since his college days, that's been undeniable. But it's it's hard to complete the evaluation not knowing um, how he will do when he's not surrounded by such a fantastic amount of talent. If there's a team that you can back, even with a you know $50 million a year quarterback, and that's not what the cap hits are, but even with that big price tag on a quarterback, if there's a team and a front office you bank to be able to comp- continue to put that competitive loaded roster out there around him, the Eagles deserve that nod more than just about anybody. Just on that with the Hertz contract, uh, so he now becomes like the most highest paid man in the NFL at five years, two hundred fifty-five million. You mentioned the cap hits. Do you have the like breakdown of that of that contract? Uh, and I know not in front of me. I do have it on my computer. I know that like the cap hits won't start to hit for another couple of years because you know it's it's he hasn't. It's not what the Cowboys did when they let Dak Prescott get to the tag, and now you're talking about big time money hitting right now so much less flexibility. But yeah, you are going to see the cap hits are going to be closer in that kind of $30 million range for until we get later on. And by then, the cap's going to be $457 million and we'll be redoing the deal. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think you overreact to these situations with someone... I think Jalen Hurts put an absolute exclamation point with his Super Bowl performance. Like, that was... For, for, I'll put my hand... Like, for people who questioned his ability to go through reads and didn't know where he was at, um, where he would be able to take his game as a, you know, we know the physical runner, and I mentioned the off, the, the kind of character side of him, the work ethic side of him, where he was going to go from a pocket passer, a processor, a decision maker. Uh, what he showed in that game was a massive exclamation point against a lot of people's doubt, mine included. Um, in terms of what he does from here, it will be, it will be fascinating to see how, you know, when, when the cap hit, look, 
whether it, his cap number ever jumps to $55 million or it's kind of in that $30 million range. And these, these things will move around as well. They'll restructure. There is going to be a pinch on the salary cap to a degree. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his play changes when they do have to make decisions about, you know, the Devonta Smiths of the world, some of the, the offensive line weapons of the world. But when I tiered quarterbacks, and I copped a lot for this, and I had Jalen Hurts at the top of my third tier, and that third tier was needs the table set around them. Because, honestly, we haven't seen him without the table set around him, and that's not a bad thing. That's what you're supposed to do to a quarterback. The Eagles haven't just elevated his baseline by providing that table around him. They've elevated his top line as well, his ceiling. You, you're you not confirming bad habits. He's not getting hammered into the ground like we've seen so many young quarterbacks. He's been put in the right type of platform offensively and, and, and schematically to push his ceiling upwards. Um, I think I think he's absolutely the right decision, and I, I'm very intrigued to see how his, um, how his play goes on, how it advances, especially when you're betting on one thing, perhaps more than anything else with Jalen Hurts. And that's work ethic, football character, locker room presence, which is unimpeachable. When I did those tiers, I was looking through kind of those top 12, 13, 14 names, and the only two that weren't high-end, top-of-the-line kind of first-round picks, Lamar Jackson first-round pick with back end, two guys that were up in that conversation very close to each other, Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott, and the thing that you can draw to them in terms of their football, the, 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 the draft profile that they presented way back when was work ethic and football character if you're going to bank on or if you're going to take a swing on someone outside of that really obvious blue chip quarterback talent looking at those two things that we don't know exactly what this guy's floor is we don't exactly know what his ceiling is but what we do know is that he's going to work every day to tap into every single bit that he has more so than some kind of you know poor decision making sometime mercurial you know, loose-armed fourth-round prospect. If you're looking at that in that kind of day-two, day-three region of quarterback, those are the traits. You draw a line between those two. Those are the traits that I think um, the most worth investing in at that point. Yeah, that's exactly what the Eagles have done. They've obviously chucked a fair bit of money at him. It's a big contract. Do you see that setting the market for the likes of uh, some of these people who haven't signed extensions yet? And what do you think it's going to look like in the new future? He's just the next one. That's why you don't... It, it kind of, for the biggest, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the, the half billion dollar deal that carries a different kind of headline. But for the latest, biggest, highest paid quarterback news to drop, was it met with, it was pretty quiet applause and quiet acknowledgement, I think, all around. It's, he, he was deserving. He'd done enough to get that next deal. He was the next one. Lamar Jackson, Joe, from who we'll see, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're the next in line. Dak Prescott's going to come up again. The restructure that the Cowboys did put his cap number next year at $59.4 million. That's not sustainable. He's likely going to get extended again. Could be in the next coming you know, weeks or months. It's just the next one. He's certainly done enough. I think, I think, yeah, I think Burrow and Herbert would be, and their agents, and Lamar and his family, we won't say agents, would just be looking, look at mum, family members, would just be looking at, um, looking at that number and talking to their teams and saying, look, that's been done. Like, I haven't done any... I think obviously reaching a Super Bowl is a different sort of thing. You know, Joe Burrow can put his hand up to that. Um, Justin Herbert can't, but from a you know statistical output, from an on-field tape, from the nuances of the football, you know the quarterback position, they can all point to tape and go, "Yeah, I'm not taking less." Um, if I want more, you know, maybe one of them is a you know um, is 
going to take a different shape deal and, and get the uh, Tom Brady narrative of, look, you always took under market money. Won't dive into that today. But um, yeah, I think it's just the next one and it'll carry on, especially as we get further and further into this new, the CBA that we're currently in. That cap number, COVID put a bit of a, like almost a, a year or two halt um, on it. We're just disrupting kind of the, the kind of revenue for a minute there. But as we get further into this decade, that cap number is going to continue to climb and climb and climb. It's not worth being upset about. The Daniel Jones one, it's not the longest term deal. That's a little more interesting. It was that more was surprising more... money-wise, wasn't it? Like, are you expecting yeah. the cap to increase as like the TV deals and like more streaming services, and things like that? Like, as those deals come on, like you're expecting that cap to keep climbing? Yeah, rights continue to be, you know, more and more. Um, the numbers keep just making rise and rise. So much money, it's like, and and it's it's written into the CBA. It's a proportional thing. So yeah, I think we can. Yeah, the Daniel Jones one's interesting because, hmm. you know, improvement. Last year, you talk about having the table set for you. The amount of movement and, you know, um, smokes and mirrors that Brian Dable was able to impart into um, that uh, or place into that giant scheme and that giant's offense. I My question with the Daniel Jones extension was, you know, you hear good things about who he is as a, as a person in the locker room. And, you know, the arrows pointing up wasn't the most statistically wowing season, but it was certainly better. But what was, um, as I hear my uh, my young son has made his way home and is marching around the uh, the, the street, uh, the uh, the pave, pavement down below. Um, with Daniel Jones, what's interesting is, well, the question is, Dable's done such a good job, such a good job with him. He has shown his, you know, he's talking about he's walking around New York with rock star energy and, you know, he's rocking the shades and he's got that level of approval. Are you anchoring him by tying up 40-odd million dollars a year with Daniel Jones? Like, should you not be looking for someone to, to, to elevate, someone to rise with rather than, ah, oh, we think this guy's a 12th to 15th, 10th if you're over-aggressive, 10th to 15th best quarterback, but Dayball can work with that. Do we want Dayball to be working with that? Or do we want to go, hey, do we have the next Andy Reid here? Let's get him something with a whole lot more. You know, the... It was working. It was enough for Andy Reid to work with Alex Smith. That was enough to work with. But look at what happens when you take a swing for more and the position you put yourself in there. Now you're making mm. history. You get generational talent. Yeah. Do they and they do they risk alienating the likes of Saquon Barkley and things like that? You know, chuck him under the franchise tag. He obviously due to get paid. Like, is there that sort of risk, or they're thinking I, about that? That's that's your future problem. I think that's that's kind of. I don't think that's functional the quarterback I, and paying the quarterback. Obviously, they're both up and they're both kind of tag contenders at the same time and one gets a long deal and the other gets gets tagged. I think it's just... I find it hard to believe that anyone of Saquon Barkley's talent at that position isn't going to have some level of friction with the front office just with the reality. Saquon is a game-breaker. He impacts on all three downs of play, but you know he's always had an injury history. He's not 21, 22 years old anymore and that position has been so consistently devalued. Yeah. It's... I, I think it's almost, it, it's hard to avoid at this point. We've seen what happened with, you know, Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see what happens with Joe Mixon. That's both an on-field production and off-field concern and yeah. kind of legality standpoint. Derek Henry's name being thrown around. No, I don't believe that Howie Roseman is going to trade for a $10.5 million quarterback in his late 20s. Uh, but but <laughs> strong, it's just strong the nature of that position. <laughs> and you're just hearing, you're hearing all these very interesting, I don't know that they're the NFL being the body and the competition committee and kind of generally a little bit of a massive ship that slowly turns, doesn't make rapid U-turns. 
but you're hearing really interesting theories and ideas thrown out there. It's like, what if, what if running backs are on a different pay scale and count different towards the cap? What if we can reward them financially whilst changing their impact on the cap um, to, to allow for both the realisation that, yeah, that the, the, the toll in their body and the, the career lifespan is shorter um, for this position, but they are producing, they are productive, they are impactful, they have their hands on the ball. It's a worthwhile thought experiment. Don't know if the NFL would ever adopt it, but that's what we kind of get to because it's, it's, it's not entirely dissimilar from when we talk about in our home footy codes, you know, wouldn't it be great if you got a massive, massive discount to keep players that you brought up through juniors? They, we can pay them a certain amount, but they hit the cap differently. It's there's, when there's a breakdown between, you know, kind of the importance and the market valuation. Is there a way we can we can come up with something? It's it's an interesting thought, but yeah, it's uh, it's not surprising that's where we are with Saquon, and there'll be many more running backs to come. You could see he's not at the same level, but Tony Pollard, where they are in a year's time after this tag year. Um, you ask most people in Cowboys media, you ask most people, you know, you Dallas Cowboys fans. And they'll say they don't expect to see Tony Pollard wearing a Cowboys jersey past 2023. Mm-hmm. And it opens up for the likes of Bijan Robinson coming through as well. That interesting, you know, take whether he does go first round or if he, he sneaks through to the second. But I think I think you see him go in the first round. I think the talent is so like he's he's going to be a top five player on most teams' boards in terms of his grade. Where he falls in the stack is something different. You know, the teams have their grade and then they stack them all up. Um, there's a couple that you think you, you see almost that there's a, there's a couple of teams there in that 20s range right you look at the LA Chargers people brought up the Minnesota Vikings with where they're at with Dalvin Cook's career in his timeline uh, you look at the Buffalo Bills Dallas Cowboys Cincinnati Bengals like there's almost this run of teams around that 20 mark and into the 20s that you have to imagine someone at that point if he has lasted that long is going to go hey we've got a need this is three downs and the front offices got projections for their contracts and how it works, but you see the rate with which guys picked in the mid-20s, into the 20s, into the mid to late 20s, the rate of them getting a second contract. I heard this discussion on 105.3 The Fan um, where they were talking about, particularly that 26th pick, it's like a 10 to 15% chance that you get a second contract there. So if we're talking about career lifelines or career timelines, and you'll get the chance to get Bijan Robinson for five years plus a franchise tag, six years. It's kind of beyond what, you know, it, it's beyond what 85% of players picked at that point are getting from their current teams as it is. So that's where I think you get into that sweet spot. Big difference between picking Saquon and Zeke and Leonard Fournette that high in the draft and when you do get down into the late 20s. Well, and does it also impact when teams have that sort of veteran-style um, running back that, you know, due to get paid? And they've got that sweet spot in the draft. It just makes sense to go get the rookie that you know is going to produce for, the, like you said, that five years. You don't need to pay your veteran. They'll go somewhere else. And then, yeah, you've saved that cap space. Like, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Especially in the Unfortunately, draft, like, like, you know, that's an unfortunate for the running backs who are genuine out-and-out stars, like some of them. Like, you know, like Eckler, like you guys like that, Barkley, all those, Henry, all those guys, like absolute producers. And, yeah, they're just... It's the most... I think it's probably the first one of the first big confusing things that people who get into the NFL, particularly through fantasy football. It's one of the first big confusing things that they get because they come in, they learn fantasy, they learn the big names. If you're into fantasy as your first entry point into you know, the NFL, you know running backs. Those are the big names that you know. And then you start to hear, when you read them all and you're getting into the salary cap or you're learning more and you're like, what? But they're the, they, they, they score the most fantasy points or they yeah. get the most yards. Why aren't they getting the most money? And it's, it's that kind of, it's that idea and that valuation that, 
that you get past. And then particularly in a draft class like this, running back was the first position that I dove into. Um, not usually the first position I dive into, but I just, I had heard that it was a strong class and I was kind of keen to check it out. And I've got, I think I've got 15 running backs that like, I'd be happy to see drafted in the first three rounds. I don't, they don't, you don't need to draft them in the thir- first three rounds. Like five, six, seven of them may go into day three. But you, you make your way down the list beyond Bijan, beyond Jamar Gibbs and, you know, A-Chain and down into like guys like Zach Evans that are fascinating on field, Tank Bigsby. You know, if you're into the uh, Darren Sproles type, and I've got an Eagles fan sitting in here with me, but you got uh, Double Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, who rocks a 22 for Kansas State, who is a whole lot of fun down there. And he's like your 15th, 16th, 17th ranked court, uh, running back. There's so much talent. Um, Kendra Miller out of TCU. So much talent and so much three-down talent that it's going to continue to put that pressure on a position that has that unfortunate combination of high workload, high body toll, and you're generally only lining up one on the field at a time. Each team is. It's not wide receiver where you have three. It's not even tight end. We're starting to see two tight end sets coming back into more fashionable yeah, uh, usage yeah. rate. Yeah, coming from me being a Packers fan where we run two running backs in almost every play, but uh, do, do you think the likes of Pacheco as well, who last year was at pick 75 and absolutely starred in, in, in the Chiefs running running game all year, does that put pressure and... and uh, you know, help out these guys that are 15th, 16th on the list? I mean, Pacheco, it's great that you brought him up because it's not just Pacheco. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the same team who mm. was that high draft pick investment and was so much less productive. And the tape shows just completely more effective play uh, from Pacheco. It is examples like that that are continuing to suppress that value, sadly, and, and, and makes teams just go, we win. Yes, Bijan is fantastic. Yes, Jameer Gibbs is electric and fantastic receiver. You can see the usage on, on multiple, you know, different types of, you know, uh, pass run situations. But look what we're continuing to see emerge. And they're not the only, it, it's different. It's also going to be a similar, in some ways, conversation that we're going to see about tight end. Again, a loaded tight end class, such a fun tight end class. But how many different times you'd be reckless to play this drinking game, but if you're going to watch all the draft content this week and you're going to hear how many times people are going to put up results of first-round tight ends picked and then the results, the, the production of you know tight ends picked on day two and day three, and this one far out where you know, the Kittles, the Kelseys of the world, carrying that, Darren Waller previously, versus you know what we've seen. You know, TJ Hawkinson is like the success story, but the Eric Ebrons of the world that have come before. You know, Hayden Hurst, who has been solid, and has done amazing work off the field as well. But compare his production to somewhat some of the talent we've seen emerge on day two, day three. It's going to be interesting there as well. Again, we've got these stacked, these big names at the top, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer at the, right up there, Luke Musgrave and, and Darnell Washington. But when a guy that I love, Luke Schoonmaker, which talk about someone that's going to appeal appeal to the Australian fan base. What a name. <laughs> you know, you get him available. He, he, could, he could be available on day three. So that's the conversation that teams are going to continue to have. Um, it's, it feels like at times that the lines between the value of the premium positions has become even bolder and even more hardened um, as teams get, um, as this, the, the use of the salary cap has become more aggressive and more evolved. Unfortunately, we're on shift on Thursday, so we can't play the drinking game. But <laughs> I'm going to hijack you for a minute. Um, we're all definitely unbiased, as you can tell. Mm. I want to just pick your brain real quick. What do you think the Raiders, what direction do you think the Raiders are going to take with pick seven? Uh, obviously, we sort of touched on it a little bit before. It is, it is dependent how 
the cards sort of fall with those earlier picks. Um, do you see us trying to trade up or are we sitting pretty at seven? Are we going to, you know, I've seen a few mock drafts look at like um, guys in the secondary at cornerback, uh, Devon Witherspoon, like guys like that, are they going to show up? Because obviously signing Jimmy for three years, we're kind of, it's almost like we've got a little safety net at quarterback there. Um, just want to know your thoughts on what, what direction you think the Raiders might take with pick seven. I think the, the Raiders are in an interesting position. I think the initial part of me, I'm, I'm not pro trade up usually. Um, with a desperate need for quarterback with Carolina. Okay. Um, yeah. The Raiders have kind of taken that half measure with Jimmy Garoppolo, the obvious fit, um, fitting back into an old coaching staff there. But I'm generally against trading up. I love the idea of letting the draft come to you. And there's a chance that Raiders can sit there and, and let some supreme talent fall their way. Um, whether that is a cornerback, whether you like with a spoon or Gonzalez the most. And cornerback draft, cornerback class is the other one that stretches so long, but that's such a premium position as opposed to running back and tight end that those guys are going to go early. They'll always go early. Mm. I, I think I can see, you know, they've been tied to Will Levis so much. You can see the obvious pathway there to, to making a move up, but I would love to see this, honestly, and this isn't the sexiest answer for the Raiders. Stay put or move back and have a, have a, have a solidify year. You know, like, you know, in all our lives and stuff, sometimes you just need a little solid run. And I can hear my son chucking in absolute wobbly. So talk about solid runs. That is not what is happening down near uh, the car. He has lost his marbles. Um, but the Raiders, the Raiders have had some tumultuous times of late as well. Hmm. The Raiders would love to see a solidify year. Let the draft come to you. If one of those blue chippers, somehow Will Anderson or some, you know, where you're out on Jalen Carter, one of the cornerbacks, if someone falls to you like that, even someone who you might be the, one of the best, he is one of the best at what he does. It's not the premium position, but a, a Skoronsky, um, who is so good at, could he be a Zach Martin? Let the draft come to you a little bit. Um, and and maybe the cookie crumbles that a quarterback does slide to you at seven, that you, maybe it's the one that you had tagged as the first or second best, or maybe a quarterback slides to you and you go, look, we got the feeling that we've got, you know, a solid answer for now. We can do a solidify year. Maybe we can slide up. Maybe someone's going to give us something to come up here. We can gain assets and, t- and, and kind of kick the can down the road on the quarterback decision for another year, particularly after the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. Before that, completely different answer. But given you, you've taken one step to having that kind of just let's mellow out for a year, you've made that move with Jimmy, I would love to see that kind of football philosophy have some cohesion and carry through to your draft operation and, and preserve some assets. And hey, look, if you do stockpile a few assets and it's not a season where you have a, you know, I don't think it's going to be a Super Bowl run for the Raiders and you're in a decent position next year, we already have heard the big names about quarterback. There's always quarterbacks next year, but there's yeah. really always quarterbacks in 2024 as well. I think, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think it looks like you're right. They've sort of shored up quarterback for this year with Jimmy at least. Um, and yeah, like let the draft come out here. You just sort of hope that that looks like that's the plan. Stick with the plan and like, yeah, let it, when let you it have, When you're that high up and when you have stock at those premium positions as well, it's it's like you hear people talk, oh, should, the, should this team, you know, should the Bills, they need it. They've been searching for a running back. Should they make a move up, give away assets, move up and get Bijan? In a draft where premium positions like corner and like pass rusher have depth, it's the type of draft that I, or quality at the top and depth throughout, it's the type of draft where I don't want to be giving away assets if I don't want to, because I really, take advantage of the market. What you can get in the second and third round at some premium positions this year, um, if you're able to stockpile some of those assets, is not what you're going to be able to get in most years. We've seen drafts where we're looking at pass rusher and we're like talking ourselves into Caleb on chase on. You know, let the draft come to you. And in a draft like this, where spots like corner and tight end, a corner and, and edge rusher are deep and talented, 
and certainly areas that your beloved uh, Raiders, <laughs> you know, I think we've, I don't think we've succeeded in finding that running mate opposite Max Crosby. It's just not the year I'd want to see a team like that giving away assets when there's pillars waiting to be added um, in this particular class at some massive premium spots. Yeah, no, totally agree. Happy with that answer, Kat? I have, that's put me at ease very nicely. That's good. <laughs> well, our, our rugby writer um, at ESPN Australia and, and MMA writer, he's a, uh, the deputy editor for the website at um, ESPN Australia, Sam Bruce, is a Raiders fan. So we've sat through some, some fascinating and I don't know, times dark conversations about yeah. the direction of the franchise. But I'm, um, yeah, between, between Brucey being a, a Raiders fan and, and Darren Arthur, our rugby league writer, uh, being a Chicago Bears fan, there's been a lot of kind of pseudo football therapy sessions on a Monday afternoon in the ESPN Australia office. Love it, love it. <laughs> Shout out to Sammy for sure. I know he's a big uh, listener of the podcast, so <laughs> I'm sure he'll hear that and he'll be at ease as well. But we've spoken a lot about it that you you had your own little mock draft, so we're going to put you on a little bit of pressure here. Can we have maybe a top five? You, oh, it doesn't sound like someone's trading up, so where do you see the top five it was uh, a- going and landing? It was an alternate one, so it was one, two, three, four. I was doing it with, with Brad Bolt, who um, um, is a, another Australian NFL podcaster and um, in a whole bunch of you know group chats and engage on Twitter and stuff. And he, I was just you know, sitting on the couch being like, oh, I'm bored, let's talk about the draft. And he's like, let's do a mock, pick for pick. I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, and it went Bryce Young at first overall. And this was the day that the chef did Lance Zierlein buzz about the Texans being out on quarterback. Yeah. Um, so I had the second pick with the Texans and I went Will Anderson um, uh, at two. Three being the Cardinals was, I believe Brad went with Tyree Wilson, um, adding an edge rusher there. Then four at the Colts, I'm sitting there and I added CJ Stroud. Um, and I was tempted to do Anthony Richardson, but I went with CJ Stroud. <laughs> uh, and then fifth overall was when uh, Jalen Carter came off the board. Um, to to the Seahawks and that left me and I'll go to six for you because that left me with the Detroit Detroit Lions I don't not saying that Dan Campbell is Andy Reid and I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is Patrick Patrick Mahomes but the, the money that they're paying Jared Goff the state of the roster the vibes around that team the direction of the team um, the respect for Jared Goff whilst also knowing that there's a ceiling beyond him that does remind me of a situation that Kansas City found themselves in when they had Alex Smith You've got a quarterback you're paying in that 10 to 15% of the cap range, kind of bridge quarterback territory. Back then, that was 14 to $18 million, not $30 million like James <laughs> Goff's getting. But it, there's so many similarities. You've got a coaching staff that's well entrenched. There's a lot of positivity about where they're building. There's definitely offensive pieces. There's a, a solid offensive line. They've, you know, Jamison Williams is going to sit out for six weeks, but there is talent on that wide receiver core. Um, there's, there's so many good pieces in place uh, we know they're going to invest more in the defense but a defense that you can see there's some, there are there's some personnel on there that they can build around obviously with likes of hutch there up rocking number 97 that's a position to take a swing on anthony richardson uh, anthony richardson you don't have to force it he can sit um he can sit behind jared goff for a year he can sit behind jared goff for two years you can allow him to get the seasoning and come up to speed the way he needs to where and, and allow him the best chance and you the best chance to tap into the outlandish talent that he has. And he is far more than just the physical phenom that he tested as. You know, he tested like Chase Claypool. That's, I went and had a look at the measurables. It's like the closest, the closest testing comp I could get for, for, for the Florida quarterback. That he tested like Chase Claypool, <laughs> but happens to play 
quarterback, but you watch like the decision making. He was charged with making changes at line of scrimmage. He was given a lot of responsibility in that Florida offense. Had a lot of wide receivers. I don't know if what you'd call what they were running. I wouldn't call them routes. I'd, I'd call them dalliances into the secondary at times. Um, but that's the type of situation that I had. I had. Um, I had Big Anthony coming off the the board there at six to the Detroit Lions, and I think that could be that's the perfect type of um, uh, nurturing situation you want a talent like that to land. Beautiful. I, I think that's good news for the the Packers if we get a bit of turmoil inside the Lions because they <laughs> seem up and about, and we're we're uh, I don't know. I think uh, if depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, we'll be we'll be right. But uh, yeah, a little bit of turmoil inside the Lions, just like it normally is, would be grass. You've always got oh. to take it back there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the Lions are building in the right direction. I mean, the, the, I know. The, unfortunately, they are. I agree. You, you Packers fans have been blessed for a long time. Um, blessed for a long time at the quarterback spot. Um, not unlike what the what we thought the Colts were getting uh, with Peyton Manning straight into Andrew Luck, and unfortunately mm. for Andrew Luck, I still not tear up, but I still probably once every fortnight have a good think about like what how I miss been. watching Andrew Luck play football. Just so mm. much fun, um, but. The Packers don't. I' a little wary about that surrounding cast. Generally, it's been a decent offensive line for the Packers. Injuries have hurt that, but geez, you look at that wide receiver room, you look at that tight end room, and what you're asking Jordan Love to step into. I think if I'm not insanely high on this wide receiver class, but given what exists with Christian Watson, his vertical speed, um, and how what the skill set he brings, I know it's not. I know it's not the Green Bay Packers style. But how Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he's on the board there, how he would fit in at that slot, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially with some of the flashes we've seen with Jordan Love with throwing some of those in-breaking routes and working some of that in middle of the field. It seems like a quarterback's best friend move to make. Yeah, you've got me thinking we're winning at least 12 games, so that's good. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for, just to make everybody feel good. Yeah, yeah oh, red. Oh, feel good Monday. Can well, we... Uh, Sorry, oh, Kaz, say, can we steer away from the draft really quick? Yeah. Any news on D Hop and Rogers? Any news on the trades uh, happening there? The trade talk? Nice little draft week drum beat with Aaron Rodgers this morning for me and Rappaport just saying, eh, Packers and Jets have picked up the phones again. Yeah, <laughs> down the chat, yeah. Which, not surprising. I, 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 day two for that trade seems to make sense for me to drop. Let day one get out of the way. Let the, let the Jets use their pick. Um, mm. So that's not like part of the immediate discussion you know oh why couldn't you get pick 13 why did the Packers not get this you kind of let it go it's off the either, table. either it's a day two pick or a couple of day two picks or something that they work out um that they get there or you kick you know maybe it's a combination of a day two pick this year and something for next year um and you build that in the conversation but that that would seem to make sense to me I think it's just I think everybody around the NFL is just under the assumption that that's happening um as for D-Hop I was thinking about destinations and you could talk yourself into Green Bay but it's tougher for D-Hop the more that you know a team like Dallas, you know, lands Brandon Cooks, and that's an obvious name off the table there. And you see a team like Carolina Panthers that has added um, has added several different pieces in that veteran world. No one of the tier of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but he's another one that I think day two price seems to be the number that you'd expect this would land on. I'm sure, I'm sure the cards would like more. Um, but no, there's not a lot of buzz just at this moment, especially, you know, Odell Beckham's found his home. Um, I mentioned Cooks has found his home. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting, but the longer this goes on, the and if we get into the draft and wide receivers are coming off the board, that's that doesn't help a trade being facilitated. The thing that I will say for D Hop, that him being available with this particular draft class, or him 
searching for a new home. This is not this is this is not a draft class for the tall, big bodied wide receivers with big wingspans like D Hop. This is a lot of guys five ten and under. Um, I'm not gonna say it's a wide receiver class where, you know, the all the rides at Disneyland are a little bit are gonna be a bit of a question mark. They're taller than that. But if, <laughs> if a team is out there that desperately wants to add that type of physical profile to their wide receiver room, they're going to like there's not a lot built like him with that with even not his tier of talent, even day two uh, tier of talent that have that type of frame. That's why we're hearing guys like, you know, Cedric Tillman and Jonathan Mingo getting brought up um, in the draft chat just because they're in the, in the draft buzz, just because there is, there's not a lot of size to this class. Did you see the quote from Von Miller about, because uh, I think he's been doing some workouts with D-Hop about <laughs> potentially going to the Bills. Is that just part of the lying season, do you reckon? I mean, and D Hop was in Dallas working out with Dez Bryant. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, look, Von Miller's a, he's a salesman when yeah. it comes to the free agency market. He's got He'll sway. He'll be a GM one day, apparently. <laughs> he's got sway. <laughs> he's got sway. I mean, look, he keeps cashing in on contracts. He might be an owner one day. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> deservedly so. But it's, it's one of these, yeah, look, I, they, it felt like their all in move came with Von Miller to back up and do an and invest again at that spot, especially in aging talent. There's going to like you start that's when you start casting forward to future salary cap implications. What are we doing with our money here? Um, you know, there's each week, you know, you hear a different number. D Hop wants all his money. D Hop wants a new deal. D Hop's happy to take a pay cut. Don't, <laughs> that's all hearsay here and there. I would be surprised that given what's on the, they definitely need to upgrade the wide receiver room beyond um, what was what was available with Stefan uh, what was available opposite Stefan Diggs they need that that kind of step from Gabe Davis hasn't come on you know uh, the Cole Beasley era is done in Buffalo um, they definitely need to level up there but that type of investment doesn't seem to match up with how they've gone about developing the core of that team in Buffalo as much as Von Miller I'm sure could get it done if he got on the phone got everybody in the room yeah do you, do you see him not going anywhere? Can he, if it doesn't happen, would he be happy to go back to the cards? I, w- I think he goes somewhere. I think there's yeah. been enough, there's been enough drumbeat about this. And just considering where the Cardinals are, like we may not see Kyler Murray this season. We don't know how that's mm. going to play out. And DeAndre Hopkins has only so many years left. Um, he's not, he's not 22 anymore. This is a receiver into his thirties um, who hasn't, who hasn't had a lot of winning in his football career, despite the fact that he's put up, you know, you know, the numbers that he put up had him on a hall of fame trajectory. Um, I think what he wants to achieve, silverware would help that, um, as well as just being in kind of successful high-octane offences for however many years he has left. Still a productive player. I don't think we're seeing a Julio Jones-level drop-off here, but um, no, I, I would expect him to go. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense for either team with what either team's trying to achieve or could likely... What either, what either party is trying to achieve this season, it just doesn't seem to match up. And you haven't heard a lot of noise confirmed hard concrete um talk from the cardinals that you know he's untouchable so if you could pick a team then do you reckon he's going where is he going to i honestly i i don't have you know a crazy amount it's not a team i have um you know some bias towards or anything like that but it would make a lot of sense to see that type of trustworthy big frame smart weapon land with Green Bay Packers. Why wouldn't that make sense? We can get in salary cap stuff as well, but in terms from a personnel standpoint, <laughs> well, yeah, but in terms of a personnel standpoint, with the speed you have with Christian Watson, someone like Christian Watson, who as, as great as the back end of that rookie season was, having veteran nuance, that type of tutoring and knowledge imparted upon him, it's a fantastic idea. That, that, that's a fantastic fit. How that works, 
um, what the draft capital would need to be. I mean, look, the Packers aren't a team that love to give away first round, or like, like spend first round picks. You know, second, third round pick is much more their appetite. That might be what the deal um, comes down to. Uh, again, I mentioned a team like Carolina Panthers were wide receiver needy. They haven't had a lot of top line talent, but they kind of seem like they've got their kind of veteran starting three that they've lined up there with Marshall, with Thielen, um, and with uh, DJ Chark there playing on the outside role. Um, but some of these suitors have gone away. But yeah, I, I the the I struggle to conceive as much as the desperate need is there. The Bill O'Brien factor in New England makes me want to draw a cross through the Patriots, being able to attract as much as from a Mac Jones, you know, accurate can put it in, you know, put it on a dime um, for the the precision that you know DeAndre Hopkins might um, demand the ball. Um, that could be a nice fit. That where that relationship was, how it ended in Houston, bizarre to think that that could be a reunion up in New England with uh, with O'Brien taking a role up on the staff there. You'd be happy yep. boy, Tommy, hearing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you said, there's not many times that you hear... Well, actually, I lie. You hear Green Bay Packers is in for everyone, but we never actually get anyone. So, no. like you said, we're not willing to actually give anything up for anyone. But you, you mentioned before, well, Danny brought up about the Hertz contract, and we, we spoke a little bit about Lamar. Can you... Is Mama Jones actually listening? Because how, how much do you read into the rumours that... He was offered the 200 guaranteed, and it wasn't too dissimilar to what Hertz actually got. You always have to ask who's putting that out there. Like who who has the who has the motivation to put that Ravens. out there. So I I, I find it I, Lamar Jackson's going to get paid, whether it's by the Ravens or whether it's by another team. That contract will come at some point. I I really do find it hard for a team that a front office that is as justifiably respected and lauded for their operation from the Aussie Newsom era um, on um, and into a new phase now. I find it so hard to think that they would let one get out. Um, then you throw in all sorts of chatter that happens about, you know, the conspiracy theories that are out there about why certain teams would immediately announce that they were out on Lamar Jackson. And I won't go into any of that. Um, but <laughs> I think I think the conversation around Lamar, the, the level to which he's underrated um, as a passer and what he still has what he can do from the pocket and what he can still be untapped considering the weapons that or lack thereof outside of Mark Andrews that he's been working with in the wide receiver game. That frustrates me. I also think um, there was some conversation about how, you know, he, with his running style, you know, it was a different uh, conversation. I believe it was, it was coming out from the Browns, you know, that the Browns, uh, sorry, not the Browns, it came out from the Falcons, from Arthur Blank, that they were in on Deshaun Watson. Uh, but they weren't in. They're not in on uh, Lamar Jackson. It's a different conversation about injuries, and it's a different conversation about the style of play. Considering Deshaun Watson had two torn, LC, torn ACLs on the same knee, um, and Deshaun Watson had every single other thing in his life, the ridiculous <laughs> and very dark off-field scandals that had followed him. Um, I, uh, that I find frustrating because I think lo- I was doing my quarterback tiers, and the top tier was can win teams can win because of. And then there was uh, can elevate talent around them, and then underneath that was table needs to be set for them. And I had Lamar's legs were in the top tier, and his <laughs> arm, was in the third, his arm was in the third tier. But there's definitely, definitely scope for that to jump up. Um, I think it's easy for people to think that he's just a gimmick running around, you know, with Michael Vick type speed. Uh, but one, he's clever with his speed, and he's clever with his running. And two, I just I think that if you're looking at what he does from the pocket. Um, and take some time to really go through it. If you can get your hands on Small 22, the coach's film on uh, on Game Pass or something like that, if you can get your hands and have a look at some of the breakdowns, there's so much there. Um, 
that there's room there's room there and look if i was a gm and and i had a whiff that he was available for a even you know yes a couple first round picks and the contract i'm doing that because i truly believe lamar's an answer at a quarterback not a question mark so with the team like let's say the colts who are at four not really 100 sure like what quarterback's going to fall to them could you see almost them being like you know what we'll give up our first round at four and something else along those lines to try and get someone who's established like lamar I would, I would love to see it. I don't I don't know that it will happen. They're the more likely team than others. There's just it's been so quiet around this from other teams. There's been when these big deals happen quite often with quarterbacks, we do feel that kind of usually it's a free agency tour, not a not a not a trade for a franchise quarterback, although it's become more and more noisy, but you think about like when Matthew Stafford was up. And Lamar Jackson has reached heights that Matthew Stafford never did prior to getting to the LA Rams. Um but you heard the buzz about the Panthers. You heard a buzz about different teams. There's just been so little, but the Colts make a whole ton of sense, especially because with that fourth overall pick, they have a, that, that really does alleviate just how much you're probably going to have to give up. That is such a high price. Whatever trade value chart you use, the Jimmy Johnson one from the 90s or the more advanced ones and the more relevant ones of today, that carries so much value that I think it facilitates a deal. And it just comes down to a coaching staff and whether they truly believe that... Um, like, I believe in these people who have forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. Um, and their X's and O's and schematics knowledge is so nuanced. But if they believe that um, he is the answer and he is what we've been looking for, particularly a Colts franchise that has been, you know, has been searching in the wilderness since Andrew Luck mm. in his premature retirement, I'd be hard-pressed. Yeah, you've got to, you, you have to design an offense in a certain way, um, but I, I think that's overrated to a degree. And, and honestly, I... The, the Todd Monken hiring in in the Ravens organization as their offensive coordinator moving on um, from from the Greg Roman system to a bombs away downfield like that that excites me I would like to see him back with the Ravens with Odell Beckham Jr. with a hopefully a healthy Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews that's a we're talking about you know um, air it out fits magic style offensive system with the the downfield throwing that Lamar possesses I think that's a whole lot of fun I'd like to see it back there but it's just a remarkably cool and quiet conversation around such a an MVP tier athlete, and naturally that's why it breeds you know x amount of uh, x amount of um, conspiracy theories on football Twitter. Yeah. Sure. So, do you think the like uh, Odell going there and signing there, and like Lamar and him had that FaceTime and put it up? Is that more pointing to the fact that a deal might be coming with the Ravens? I think it's it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Like I. As I mentioned, like players that work out with each other and have pictures with each other all off season, and we go, "Oh, it's happening." Um, that's, I mean, to have a quarterback facetiming a newly signed wide receiver, that relationship, that tier of stuff, it obviously carries something. And if I was a Ravens fan, that would be that'd be probably the first ray of light that I would have felt about a, a long term future together um, in some time. Um, so yeah, I think it's a positive step in the right direction. I think whether that means something's coming down today, tomorrow, or in a couple of months. Um, this, this feels like it's got a little longer to play out into the American summer, into our winter. Um, but it's nice to know that a big off-season signing, particularly in the offensive side of the ball, at one of the most glaring, noisy, in neon lights positions of need across the NFL, that when it comes in and when that investment is made, there is instant communication between the two key players um, on the field. Hmm. Yeah, you definitely... Uh, you're not complaining if you are a Ravens fan seeing that kind of you know picture or is it also could it be Lamar putting it out there to say you know we do have a connection you're not going to pay all this money for Odell for 
no offence to him, but for Tyler Huntley to be thrown in the ball, you want me to be thrown in the ball. If I see another tweet that says Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley, um, uh, like just the click farming that is going on in summer, summer football Twitter with like whenever there's news about Tyler Huntley or Tyler Huntley signed his tender or Tyler Huntley's done this and it's Ravens Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley. Um, no, I think, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a smart, it's a smart uh, vision and image and picture for Lamar Jackson's side to put out there that this is connection exists, the vibes exist. Um, we already, you know, we, you know, this is the chemistry we could be tapping into. Absolutely. Um, again, that does, it's not, that's not what gets the, we're going to say some real cliches here in a minute. That's not what gets the I's <laughs> dotted and the T's crossed on a contract, but it's, it's certainly a, I, I, I enjoyed it as a, a move from Lamar Jackson. It was both like level of cachet power move as well as a generally positive thing to do. It wasn't a it wasn't a power play against the Ravens. It was like it was look at this connection, look yeah, what I Look bring. what we can do, yeah. And look, it's harmony. This is what we want in the locker room. It's uh, there's a couple of tears to it and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it from Lamar's side of things. Yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to pro- oh, possibly the, the the worst side of football that that you did bring up before about being a uh, a Disney employee that you're looking forward to talking about, but we've had Five, possibly six players that have been suspended for betting on a on a range of different things. So it wasn't just the NFL, but it was college ball, I believe, and other different things. But they've been suspended for different uh, time periods. Like you said, Williams uh, from Detroit is six weeks, but the other four have been twelve months, possibly further. It's a look that the NFL is. It's uh, they've come out with Calvin Ridley, obviously, and they've said we want nothing to do with this. Why aren't players learning their lesson? <laughs> it, it, and you, you see what some of the punishments are for. It's not betting on the NFL. This is not all of them. Not betting on the NFL, betting on making a sports bet whilst on an NFL, at an NFL facility, and that could include you know team hotels and things like that. I mean, why aren't they learning the lesson? Who knows? But I think this all exists in the environment of sports betting. Legal sports betting is so new to so much of the United States. Mm. This isn't the culture that we grew up with. It's always so interesting hearing, you know, before I was in sports media, just friends that were from the States and they'd ask about it. I'm like, oh, we have TOBs everywhere and we have, you know, this gambling company. Every gambling pub. And, walk in. and in, in, in England, I think, you remember hearing like big time American journalists when they went to the London Olympics in 2012 and walking into the bookies and stuff over there. They're like, this is amazing. I can just walk. It, it's so new, that legality of it and the prevalence of it. And we're seeing, you know, betting partners and all that kind of stuff. And, and I guess we're talking about young kids here. You know, even the veterans are still guys in their 20s a lot of the time. Um, and it's a, it's a new environment and you know, people are making instantaneous decisions and it's costing them a lot. Six weeks is no joke. A year is no joke. We don't know what Calvin Ridley... We, I'm a big Calvin Ridley fan. I think he's this fun anomaly in the league where he's six foot, 100, less than 190 pounds. He tested ter- didn't test very well in the explosive metrics at the Combine. His 40 was good. He played alongside Julio Jones, and that physical profile was the red zone dominant weapon, the touchdown maker. And Julio Jones routinely gave fantasy owners two or three touchdowns a year. And people, like he was a, a, a route runner, a, a interestingly, um, a very interesting put together wide receiver. But we don't know what we're going to get back after 12 months out. Love the fit in Jacksonville. Love, mm. you know, love that, um, that addition investing around a Trevor Lawrence. But we honestly don't know. 
um, as, uh, as I can see, my family has returned home uh, in the background. But we don't know what we get out of that. It's, it's a massive miss. The NFL, again, I told you we're going to get into cliches. People say not for long. When the average NFL career is three years and change, and you're missing half a season and a season for clicking mm. a button in the wrong spot, it's a lesson, as you mentioned, why aren't they learning their lesson? Who knows? I think inexperience is part of that, but they'll be learning their lesson quickly because teams are not going to be happy that the difference between you putting a bet on, um, you know, 10 minutes, you did it in, you did it on a, you know, in a team hotel, you did it in the club facility or something, um, whereas you could have been, you know, um, you could have driven home 10 minutes away, been sitting in your living room and put it on. That's something that is, is, you can imagine that's going to cause a lot of bristling um, in front offices and locker rooms. Yeah, I find it quite baffling that even the players aren't even thinking. I know you said a couple of young minds in there, but even like using like ghost accounts, like use your missus account, use use your brothers. You know what I mean? Like just. <laughs> I I'm not that we're providing any of that. There's already enough <laughs> temptation, <laughs> Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not advocating for any of those shenanigans. I think we should all be following the rules. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, my missus needs to get an account. I think. So I <laughs> that my account looks a lot better, but. But is it someone like the biggest name is uh, Williamson from Detroit? Jameson Williams. James, yeah, Williams. Sorry. Um, the the fact that, like you said, six weeks it didn't seem so big for what well, it started out uh, with Deshaun Watson. He got his six weeks and everyone was blowing up. But he because he's just the one was it a team bus or something like that? He or just in a facility that he actually placed a bet on college ball. Is it? Uh, are we thinking six weeks isn't enough at something like that, or, or are they just the general vibes? I'm trying to get like, should we be? You know, I, I don't want to shoot him before he, he gets out there to play. But to, they tried to make an example with Ridley, and it obviously hasn't worked. If we've had five or six more that are trying to do it, are we? Are we going too lean by saying six weeks? I think for something like that, where it's like a, it's a procedural thing, it's not a. We're not talking about competitive imbalance. That's what the NFL, as much as you know, we've moved into this era, or America rather, has moved into this era of legalized gambling and betting partners and gambling being more front and center. It's part of kind of the, the um, upfront sports conversation or NFL conversation. That's the big, that's the big fear, when competitive balance comes into it, when we can, when when people are going to start to throw aspersions. That's what, that's the fear for any sport, any sports body, anyone in charge of protecting the integrity of the game. So. I think, look, for, for something like that where it happens on a team facility, I had a look at some of the local sporting leagues in Australia and there's not, it doesn't matter, like, the, I couldn't find explicit rules for some sports here that you couldn't do it in, you know, it was purely just about betting on your code that you're in. Betting on another code, there wasn't explicit stuff. Um, and I think, I think that level of punishment, um, it's not a surprising tier. It didn't jump out to me six weeks for doing this. I was like, you know what? for where they're at, where they're at in their education process with gambling and the players and where they fit into, um, you know, the sport and what they're allowed to do, that sounded about right. Um, and and I think, I still think the Calvin Ridley example hangs pretty pretty heavy. We're talking about a superstar player in the prime of his career um, that um, has seen, you know, his career take a completely divergent path um, at a critical point because um, of, a, of an infraction that he went through or that, that he... Um, that he um, you know, partook in, and I think that's that's still a very strong deterrent um, compared to where, um, you know, co- compared to where they were. You know, that type of example not really existing in the time that I'd followed the NFL. I'd been watching the NFL the previous you know decade and a half. Yeah, beautiful. 
All right, mate. Uh, it looks like in the background that your young bloke has started to calm down. So I think it's time that we let you go so you can go in there and be the hero and uh, <laughs> take the family. And, you know, the king just of dinner the, time. The king of dinner, <laughs> that's it. Cut, make sure you cut them in diamonds and not in squares. But uh, we uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and officially becoming the Any Given Sunday insider now. And we'll have to uh, make sure that we keep on top of whatever Dallas does in the draft. And uh, we'll, we'll speak to you probably immediately after the draft to see and, and get your comments if that's uh, something that you'd be all about. Well, look, insider is a hilarious term for me. Um, Dallas Cowboys reaction uh, look there's it's been documented on film at points and it's not been great um, the, I was I was definitely captured uh, on film when the Jalen Smith pick happened I was in Dallas at the time um, but no it, it was great joining you guys um, love listening to to your work and great fun joining you for this one and yeah happy to jump on after and we can chat it up and before you know it we got it we have a little you know you have the quiet Australian football like NFL winter here through June and July um, and it rounds the bend but no looking forward to this week good fun chatting with you guys and um, look forward to wrapping up Lord knows what the next week gives us because from big names from quarterbacks to this very murky draft class um, I think there's going to be more than a few uh, uh, goosebumps running up and down and nerves running up different fans um, here and here and overseas but good fun good fun joining you and um, I, I wish look I hope all your teams step up um, in the draft, um, except one, and you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we know you're a big Packers fan now, so that's good. <laughs> nah, beautiful, mate. Much appreciated for your time, and I'll run through the, the ending like I normally do, but if you do enjoy the podcast, make sure you tell your friends, family, and your, your, your closest NFL insider. Make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review, set a reminder so that when these episodes do come out that you do get to see them live and, and as quickly as you can. Find us on all the socials, AGSAU Podcast on Twitter. I read out the boys at the start. Make sure you follow them too. Uh, what's your, actually, where can we find you, mate? That's a great point. Uh, mate, usually just gibbering away on Twitter, um, at Laurie Horish, spelt, you know, the way it hopefully appears. I don't know if this will appear on screen, but L-A-U-R-I-E-H-O-R-E-S-H. Uh, tickless uh, as of uh, a couple of days ago um, and embracing embracing the authenticity of that um, <laughs> so uh, good fun copped plenty of that from uh, from my mates but um, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying being uh, yeah having the uh, yeah, there's a bit of street credibility I feel that comes with being uh, tickless once more on, on, on the big bird <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, on the ASPNs where can we find you mate Oh, yeah, of course. So we've got the NFL Brecky show that runs throughout the season. We've got a special this week, though. Um, on uh, on Saturday, a little after lunchtime, Sydney, Melbourne time. I have no idea what time it is in Brisbane. Um, and even less no, so South Australia. I don't think they do either. Um, more of an idea what time it is in Auckland, to be honest. Um, but about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, middle of middle to late round three, me and Phil Murphy are going to jump on. A little live picks reaction, a little watch party, a little wrap-up. Because that's really rounds one, two, and three. It's the crux of what a lot of people are going to feel about their drafts their team's draft hall um, and run through I think one of the big one of the big sections that we do at the start of the season I think we'll bring it out for this show is um, who got hot who had you know you know like when you got back you know back in high school and you, you turn up off the summer and um, <laughs> someone clearly been hitting Jeez. the gym and hitting the town room and really sharpened up over I like and you're it. going oh jeez I'm in trouble here or 
or perhaps someone that you, you know, someone's taken, you know, caught, you start to get little flutters when you've seen them um, after three months away. So we usually do a bit of a, you know, with time away, who got hot, and uh, the draft seems like a good time to bring that one out, um, especially with a number of teams with multiple draft picks early. Um, there could be some big movers and shakers rocketing up uh, the who got hot rankings. Yeah, for sure. I reckon I'll be, uh, are we on shift? We're not on shift, are we? We are not. Nah, I reckon we might be able to get around that and uh, yeah, we'll be on let you know YouTube just how hot the Packers have got yeah. there in the last couple of days. Good at YouTube and Facebook on the ESPN Australia New Zealand channels. We're firing away and absolutely, definitely get your uh, uh, seething takeaways or uh, ideally, as you said, for your Packers, you'll be hoping that they've loaded up on offensive talent to plant around your, we think, new quarterback one. Yes, yeah, we're not 100% sure, but I reckon one of those tight ends that we mentioned, I reckon they might be coming my way. But you can also find us on Instagram, anygivensunday.au, and TikTok, Facebook, anygivensundayaustralia. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Loz. Uh, We'll definitely catch up with you boys again soon. That was it. Didn't want to say goodbye, boys. No, that's all right. Don't (laughs) stress.